You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello to all of our listeners and welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm your host, Kate Agnew, and for this week's episode, we've got Natalie Thompson joining us, and this one's specifically geared towards students. So Natalie is an accredited practicing dietitian, and over the past eight years, Natalie has held positions in community dietetics and aged care. She currently provides dietetic services to patients at a medical center located in Cairns, Queensland in Australia. So today, Natalie is on the show to talk about her experiences in community and aged care dietetics, and she'll also give us an insight into a rather novel approach to dietetics known as the non-diet approach. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Natalie. It's very exciting to have you here. Thanks for having me, Kate, and thanks for the opportunity to speak. So to start us off, can you take us through your experiences working in aged care dietetics after graduating from university and perhaps also tell us a little bit about your role? Yeah, sure. Um, I saw um, my big break in the dietetics as getting a, um, a position with Blue Care on the Gold Coast. I was so excited when this happened. Um, in this position, I provided clinical dietetics um, to the frail, the aged and the disabled populations within the community and also within the nursing homes or the residential aged care facilities. Um, so I saw my role, role as being quite varied. So, And also like, as my experience increased, um, my roles and opportunities did too. So it was really good. Um, but more specifically, the sorts of things I did um, I worked on allied health team policies and procedures and also client care via those little projects, the continuous improvement projects. I also provided education to a range of different staff that worked within the organisation and also externally. Um, And I was um, actually the infection control representative for our allied health team. Um, So what that meant was I was just the go-to person around infection control issues. So I train new staff and existing staff um, quite frequently to meet, um, you know, the audits that we had ongoing. Um, I also acted as the Allied Health Coordinator um, on a couple of occasions. That was um, um, towards the end of my time with Blue Care as I was getting quite senior. Um, So, yeah, when they they went went away on holidays, um, yeah, I acted there a couple of times, which was, yeah, very um, interesting. And, yeah, of course, providing student supervision um, and from one of the placements actually mentored one of the students through um, her provisional APD year. Um, So, yeah, I really enjoyed the role and um, it was very supportive, I found, uh, for me as a new grad. And, um, yeah, I just learned a great deal, I found. That sounds like a very diverse role with lots of different components. So, Natalie, just thinking back to before you started at Blue Care, what actions did you take to land your first job? 
Yeah, well, I applied for lots and lots and lots of jobs. I definitely wasn't picky about what I was applying for as I was super keen to get my foot in the door because I realised it was a very competitive environment. Um, so I tried to look in all different locations um, in the newspaper and online. Basically, I just didn't want to rely on one advertising form in case some organisations like, didn't advertise there. Yeah, I have heard that that's a common misconception that all jobs go advertised, whereas that's not always necessarily the case. Yeah, and it's also a bit of like who you know as well. Um, like another thing I did too was also write to um, hospitals and private practitioners expressing my interest in working for them. Uh, so this is how I believe I landed the locum hospital position just a couple of months after graduating. So I was really thrilled when that happened. Yeah, Natalie, I'm really interested to hear about your work in community dietetics, as well as um, could you tell us how and why you developed an interest in this area? Sure. Um, ever since I knew I wanted to be a dietitian, uh, so for me that was in late high school, um, I saw myself um, counselling um, clients in a clinical setting around their food, health and dietary intakes. Um, so when I worked for Blue Care, I realised that I actually did enjoy these um, consultations, particularly the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so in the community, um, I mainly saw clients in their homes um, working for Blue Care, which was really good. I loved um, being in their environment because I um, believed that I got a realistic um, impression of their lifestyle, uh, particularly around the social and dietary aspects of dietetics. Um, yeah, it was a big eye-opener because they had nothing to hide really because I was there. Um, I often had the client's full attention, um, so um, unless of course their cat or their phone rang, uh, the cat interrupted, um, and there was no other like health professionals competing for their attention like you get in the um, hospitals. And um, with that, I suppose, um, there was no acute condition that they were managing which distracted them from talking about nutrition uh, for the reason you were obviously there. Um, so I found it quite rewarding to follow the progress of my clients um, as I was able to refine my dietetic skills because I could actually see the effect I was having as a clinician on them and also I was able to see the improvements my clients were having and how like their quality of life was enhanced. So it was yeah, really re rewarding. It's really interesting to get an insight into that area of dietetics. So Natalie, I understand that you are a mentor and supervisor for other students, as you mentioned earlier. So what advice do you usually give them in order to help them succeed? Yeah, I really value being a mentor and a supervisor. Um, as my students make me question my own practice, and the best part is that I is that I learn from yeah, them. Great. Um, yeah, great. a mantra that one of my students and I had going on was, "Let's do this." Um, we we will. It was actually me initially saying this each and every time we're about to see a client. Um, but towards the end of the placement, my client was actually saying it to me when I least expected it, which was quite oh, funny. okay. Interesting. <laughs> so really, my first um, piece of advice is um, just start doing it. Um, you just don't get anywhere um, by no action. So practice, 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 and even fail, like fail, fail, fail. Um, but hopefully on different things. Um, this is how I definitely learned. Um, and really, define failure. I mean, I doubt what I did by failing was even failing. Um, so don't be scared of it. Um, even if it's like applying for job interviews, um, the process will become less daunting and you'll actually like, eventually get 
that position from doing all the action that you've been um, practicing. Um, my second piece is related to um, consultations. So work out what the priorities are um, in the consultation and don't do too much. So you, just remember, you don't have to do everything, okay, in a consultation. You don't have to ask every question all the time. Um, an action plan with that, um, no more than three things because it's really overwhelming for anyone, particularly someone that hasn't studied um, dietetics. And the last piece of advice um, is work on your nutrition counselling skills. Um, you will go much further by getting information out of clients from having developed a good relationship with them. Um, as I find that they open up to you more and for you it doesn't even really feel like um, you know, work or an effort. It actually feels like a conversation. Um, and I found with this, I experienced less burnout as a clinician. Um, so yeah, definitely do workshops and motivational interviewing and health coaching if you can um, to build those nutrition counseling skills. So on that note, Natalie, I understand that you use the non-diet approach in your practice. So can you tell us a little bit more about your food philosophy uh, as well as your interests in health coaching? Yeah, sure. Um, so my philosophy relates to enjoying all foods in moderation, um, the non-diet approach, which is described by diets don't work, focus on health and lifestyle changes, um, well-being, not weight, health at every size. Um, and my term for um, attuned and intuitive eating, nutrition intuition. Um, I believe this is the basis of nutrition. So when um, this is achieved, most factors fall into place. Um, also, good health is about managing the many puzzle pieces of life. So for example, the what of nutrition, like the guidelines, Australian Guide to Healthy Eating, um, the how, so the intuitive eating, um, even mindful eating, um, sleep, diabetes, I mean, whatever it is for that client, it can be different. And um, this is important. Food and um, is not good or bad. It's morally neutral. Um, I'm really big on the language we use around food, nutrition, and our bodies uh, as it impacts upon our relationships um, with our food, body, and other people, I find. Um, so, yeah, this gentle, non-judgment positive language supports great health and minimizes guilt. I don't know about you, Kate, but I really hate guilt. Um, yeah, like I hate seeing my clients. It truly sucks enjoyment and balance out of life. Yes, um, that's very true. Yeah, so if I, if my client says to me <laughs> something negative, uh, for example, um, I'm lazy, I'll try and rephrase that for them in a more positive light, like I'm um, having feelings that I'm lazy. Um, like another example around food is, um, yeah, chocolate's bad. Um, I'll say, oh, excuse me. Um, you're having thoughts that you think that you know, chocolate is bad, um, which helps me to then lead into, oh, let's explore that a bit more. So I can actually find out their beliefs about food and nutrition and what the actual problem is. So it's, it's very effective. So really drilling down to the psychology, I guess, so their attitudes and perceptions around food choices. Definitely, Kate, yeah. I, I have a really big interest in the psychology of nutrition. Um, yeah, because particularly because society is great at taking advantage of our insecurities. Um, so just look at all the weight loss companies out there, um, yet we still have a problem apparently. I mean, if we changed our mindset around all this nutrition um, and weight, I mean, we probably wouldn't have a weight problem. 
I think my passion for non-diet really came about um, as I never really felt comfortable being like the weight-centered dietitian that I was taught at uni um, I, because in practice when I was there with my client, um, every step of the way, um, I saw how the traditional approach affected their well-being, particularly their mental health. Um, I saw how they fixated on the numbers on the scales and it affected how they felt. Um, I remember all the celebrations, um, the disappointments, um, even the um, drastic motivational changes um, and oh, all the food and the body judgment and the self-inflicted rules. Um, so at this early stage of my career, I was questioning whether I could do dietetics um, for the long term, but it wasn't until um, 2010 I attended a brilliant workshop um, with Dr. Rick um, Causman, um, the, the author of not, If Not Dieting Then What, um, where my dietetic practice dramatically changed and became more health focused. Um, another point in my career was um, going on maternity leave. <laughs> it sounds funny, I know, but yeah, I had the opportunity to step back and actually reflect um, much more and cement the non-diet approach 100%. Um, and just the last thing I want to say about the um, non-diet approach is I'm actually um, yeah, very mindful um, of having the all of nothing um, thinking that comes so easily with humans um, and clients we see. Um, so even though I do believe strongly in this approach, I can acknowledge um, and respect people focused on this weight-centered traditional paradigm, um, or whatever you want to call it, um, as I was there once um, yeah, myself. We can only do the best we can with the skills that we have. So, but in, but in saying that, I definitely don't compromise on what I believe in. And Natalie, can you tell me about how your interest in this approach to health coaching began? So um, my interest around health coaching stemmed from me feeling quite burnt out a couple of years after um, graduating as I feel I didn't have adequate skills with nutrition counselling and helping people to change their behaviour, particularly around those more complex clients because the norm, um, that was becoming more the norm of my caseload. Um, so I, after reflecting, I found that the burnout was really related to um, me not having realistic expectations of myself or my client uh, because when I left uni I found I have had the saving the world mentality and when I wasn't saving the world I realized that there was actually the nutrition nutrition counseling skills that I needed to refine and build upon um, yeah, so that's when health coaching saved me <laughs> um, and helped me to see that the client is actually responsible for themselves, not the clinician. And often the smallest change is massive. Um, and with that, it took a lot of pressure off me. Um, as previously, I was taking a lot of responsibility for their health progress and often giving them too much to work on as it was something that I valued rather than the client. Um, so health coaching definitely helped me to become more client-focused and work in in a self-management framework, um, I was able to meet the client where they were at that particular time. Such a game changer and relief. So that's obviously a really massive learning that you've had over your career so far. Are there any other really key points that you've um, taken away or really key learnings that you've had from your career journey so far? Yeah, actually, there's quite a few, but I guess three main things is not to compare yourself to others. It's definitely hard not to do. Um, yeah, just waste so much time and energy um, 
can distract you and affect your self-esteem. Um, the second major thing, um, networking and professional development are so important. Um, to help with your personal and professional growth. Sounds boring and cliche, I know, but for me, it's very true. Um, I definitely took this for granted when I lived on the Gold Coast, um, when I worked in the Allied Health um, team. It was such a close-knit environment. Um, and I was able to attend um, lots and lots of different conferences and workshops whenever I really felt like it. Um, but it wasn't until I started my family and moved to Cairns um, that I worked more independently. Um, it has been a massive change for me and um, with that my level of professional support and health professional engagement has de um, declined. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I very much value the team environment and support from fellow dietitians and um, other health providers. Um, so if, yeah, like I actually jumped on um, onto social media six months ago and I have found that that has been such a wonderful tool. I mean a very steep learning curve but I've valued it so much just in six months. Um, and the last thing I guess is definitely, it goes hand in hand with nutrition counselling, is meet your clients where they are now. Um, so we may have all the fanciest tools in our dietitian toolbox, but if we aren't really listening to our clients, we're not really hearing what's important to them and how they want to achieve better health. Because as we know, we can achieve better health through many different ways, even within the same person. Like, it just depends on the circumstances that are going on and where they are in their life. Um, yeah, we don't have to do all the frameworks all at once. So take the agenda off the table and see your clients for where they are um, and as they are. Um, so I've always, like, for me, I've always been someone who's jumped right in and tried to practice any new skill I've learned. But I suppose with that, I found I experienced a little bit of tunnel vision from time to time and lost perspective of the big picture. Um, so as we know, life is a balancing act, um, which we are constantly trying to keep into moderation, um, just like our nutrition. So that's my three major things for um, that I've learned so far. Thanks, Natalie. And that's obviously also going back to how you were discussing having a conversation with your client as opposed to just being focused on ticking the boxes or filling all of the information in. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's so hard as a new grad and even a student because you've got all these things to think about and you just need to practice them and you feel like you want to practice all of them at once but really um, – Yes, it's not probably the best time with a client because you might lose them from how overwhelming you're being. Some really great points there, Natalie, and I hope the listeners are able to get as much out of that as I have. So can you tell me a little bit about your job at the Department of Veterans Affairs earlier on in your career and what your job involved? Yeah, sure. Um, so I worked for DVA for four years and during this time I was providing clinical dietetic recommendations to the department. Um, so I saw my role as kind of an admin role. Um, so I did lots and lots of different things, um, including liaise with DVA pharmacy staff to recommend approval of nutrition supplements under certain conditions, uh, for, for example, those white card holders. Um, I was also contacted around approval of um, dietitian consultations um, and extending treatment around the white card holders again. Um, sometimes, yeah, I liaise with APDs around checking the clinical need uh, for certain supplements and their treatment plan. Uh, for example, I notice some of the time clients had been on their books for a long time and it looked like they were just having a chat with the dietitian. Um, 
this is where I contacted the dietitian and just checked about their discharge plan as I'm big on self-management, particularly when the clinical need um, hasn't changed. Um, other things I did, yeah, found myself having conversations with DVA and some dietitians around um, the appropriateness of dietitians' um, treatment goals. Um, for example, there were times when they were very focused on weight. Um, so I found this particularly disturbing around palliative care uh, because the lessons that I learned from my experiences with Blue Care um, were that we should focus on symptom management um, um, because, well, we can't control weight at the best of times um, in 95% of people. Um, and, I mean, with the dying phase, that's what usually happens anyway. Um, so, yeah, I'd found, like, what I had to ask the you know, dietitian, did they expect the dying patient to eat three meals a day? And um, like often the strategies around um, talking to the family um, about what they expect about nutrition um, in the final weeks and days is more than enough. Like putting pressure on people to eat causes unnecessary anxiety for the client and family. It's really about dying comfortably um, with dignity. Uh, and just another couple of things I did were um, providing um, I participated in um, dietitian service audits, um, so just checking that dietitians weren't um, providing care as per best practice. And um, yeah, the last thing that I did from time to time um, was participate in um, special projects. Uh, for example, I reviewed draft documents and um, a final stage, the final stages of a phone app, which they um, yeah called on track with the right mix. And I wrote for their magazine, Men's Health Peer um, Education. So, yeah, I found that my um, experience working in aged care definitely married up nicely with my DVA role. So, Natalie, we were discussing health coaching a little bit earlier, and you have given us a lot of great bits of advice throughout. But do you have any additional advice on student dietitians or new grads um, for how they could? upskill or improve in health coaching? Definitely go into Diner and um, search um, with the keywords of motivational interviewing, health coaching and self-management um, as you'll find many different valuable resources to get you started um, in health coaching and nutrition counselling um, in general. Um, but, yeah, for, like for me, um, like I said all along, it just helped me to be a better like dietitian, better counsellor, because often like I find that I don't really talk about diets most of the time. It's all about the how-to to health. So, I mean, it's all well and good to have all the, you know, usual tools that we come out with um, at uni, but it's often about talking to people, you know, behaviour change, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, so, yeah, health coaching um, definitely helps you with that, as do the other nutritional nutrition counselling um, skills. And to finish off, Natalie, do you have any tips or advice that you can give the listeners for those who want to get into community or aged care dietetics? Um, for aged care, I think you really have to love the oldies. Yeah, um, yes, I guess, definitely. <laughs> I guess this is a personality tip. Um, they can have their moments, um, but 
what you can get out of um, working with them um, is a little more insight and wisdom, I find, because um, this population aren't shy about telling a story or two. And the other big thing with aged care is malnutrition um, being the big caseload. Um, so definitely know your SJ and PGSJ very, very, very well and fall in love with nutrition support. Um, as for um, community dietetics. I think if you can understand the role of the dietitian working in the community and how it compares to the hospital and residential, you'll be able to focus your priorities um, a little better. Um, so knowing a little about most things is essential as anyone could walk through your door or you could rock up to anyone's home with any condition um, from enteral feeding, yeah, liver disease, motor neuron disease, and weight management. Um, so know if you work in this area also that you're in a prime spot to really get to know people and help people um, really on a deeper level, uh, particularly when you're in their home because you're in their personal space and they need to trust you for you to be there. So you can go into the kitchen and the pantry and really, you know, understand the situation around their dietary intake. But of course, um, I do recommend getting permission first. We don't want to be valued or viewed as um, the food police. And um, overall, um, weight management will pop up um, as people well, most people associate dietitians as working in weight loss. Um, so working in the non-diet approach helps you to see that often um, disordered eating is really the problem, um, not just those with official eating disorder diagnoses. Um, and I found that um, in the aged care population, it wasn't until after that there was actually a lot of disordered eating in there. Um, so when what happens now when I get someone that wants to you know, help with um, weight management. Um, I definitely acknowledged their concern and gave permission to inform them briefly about what type of dietitian I am and what I focus on and how I can actually help them. Um, when I do this, um, clients are actually really interested in working with me. Um, I think they might be just over the whole dieting and weight loss um, slant. Yeah, it would be a breath of fresh definitely. air compared to what they're used to hearing. Yeah, so definitely don't feel like you can't help them. Um, it's, yeah, it's really about changing the mindset um, to weight um, and showing how the pursuit of weight loss is unhelpful, unrealistic and even damaging. Yeah, look, Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and your experiences in community and aged care dietetics, as well as giving us a great insight into your approach to dietetics and as well as health coaching. It's been a very informative and engaging episode. So thank you very much for being with us today. That's no problem, Kate. Um, thank you for having me today on the show and good luck to all the students and the new graduates. So we'll also have the link to Natalie's blog called Delectable Dietetics, as well as some additional resources available on our show notes. And that's at dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. So you can read more about Natalie's food philosophy as well as engage with her on social media at Delectable Dietetics. So be sure to check that out. And I'd also like to say thank you to all of our dedicated listeners for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that it was able to provide value to you. And if you did, it would be much appreciated if you could leave a review for us and also pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends. And also don't forget to subscribe to the Dietitian Connection podcast so that you can automatically get the new episode each week. 
Thanks again, and we'll see you next time for another great episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast.